Coming up this week, off screen. We fight with our families. Do the foxtrot. Search a hole in the ground. Look at what they had. Wear some sauvage. Get some love and law. And find serenity. All those to come and more, off screen. This is. This is off screen. Off screen. latest film news and reviews this is off screen the movie marker radio show and podcast Ooh, welcome off screen i'm van Cott. and i'm back baby hello <laughs> mr allen welcome hello. back Hi. how was how was how was paternity leave do you feel paternal? yeah yeah how is, how's, how's fatherhood that treating you right? it's it's good um i think i've turned into uh, steve martin from parenthood <laughs> but without white hair um yeah it's good. Or I might have turned into either Robin Williams or Billy Crystal from Father's Day. From Father's Day. Yeah. I think you want to be Billy Crystal. You want to be Billy that, Crystal. In that scenario. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember who the actual dad was in that. Do you know what I can't actually. Isn't the whole thing like one of them is the dad? I thought neither of them actually was. Oh, is that, is that, the, is thing? that the thing? Is that the resolution of it? Don't they find out in the end that neither of them is? Did we find out who the dad is? I don't know It's anymore. been a long time since the mid-90s. It's because I was the, uh, Billy Crystal had that and was it uh, the, the Giant movie, the Andre the Giant movie at oh, the I loved same that. time. Yeah. And I my, of, giant. my giant, my giant, and I yeah. sort of mix elements of them. Anyway, welcome back to Hiya. our screen. Yeah, yeah. Oh, hi, good to have you home. Good We've had some Oscars. That was big this week. Happened. Happened on Sunday. Today is Thursday. Uh, today is Thursday. Yes. Yeah. And uh, well, yeah. So Green Book is the best picture of uh, 2019, or of 2018, really, but of 2019. Yeah. This is so weird because we've not spoken about films for so long. I know we, we've missed more or less the entire yeah. awards season together. So did. Did you see Green Book? I did, and I liked it. I liked it as well. I liked it a lot. I I, yeah. I saw it, actually, a couple of days before the Oscars. Um, I saw it at a screening that was at half past 11 at night. Right. In a completely empty screen. Wow. And it was... Um, that, that was great. So I feel like yeah. that just added to my enjoyment of the film. Hmm. I think if it wasn't Viggo Mortensen and Mahershala Ali... It would have been a pile of. Like if it's Jeff, if it's Jeff Daniels and Dave Chappelle, different movie, different different film. Yeah, although I'd yeah. I'd kind of want to pay money to see that movie. Too. Oh, so would I? Yeah, <laughs> but like a parody version of it. Yeah, that's um, the Wayans one. That's the Wayans one with Army Hammer, which you know is going to happen. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. He kind of like lives and dies on their relationship, their their chemistry, which is really good. But mm. I, for me, it's not the best film. No, no. What did you think was the best film, though? What did you want for the best film? Uh, Evil Black Clans is my favourite. Ah, okay. And do you know what? I would have been happy with Star Wars Born, but it, it turns out that Hollywood just didn't like Bradley Cooper because he's know, too handsome. I think, actually, that was one of the length, probably one of the last films we reviewed together was A Star is Born. Star is Burns. Yeah, yeah we so. reviewed that and Venom together, I think, on our last show together. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, wow, that's, that's really uh, come and gone. So it, it's literally, you know, those films are Oscar winners. Well, Venom isn't, obviously, but uh, yeah. uh, Star is Born is now an Oscar winner in the... Uh, in the, in the time since we've uh, yeah, yeah. and uh, uh, was it Spike Lee wasn't very happy about Green Book winning was that thing? no I, I, I think Spike Lee would have been fine with any other film winning like I, I don't think it was just like oh I didn't win best film and no no I don't think it would have been yeah. like uh, if, if Black Panther uh, yeah. you know, won or anything or but, like so. anywhere else I think it's just I mean we'll, we'll talk about this in Podcast Actress because mm. there's loads to unpack just about Green Book but I think it's the fact that Green Book 
and some of the people who told the story of Green Book that they <laughs> they won Best Picture. Uh, but Spike Lee won Best Adapted Screenplay, so... He did, and deservedly so. I thought it was a very good screenplay. Yeah. But, uh... So yeah. We'll, we'll unpack it more, because, um... Yeah, we'll save it for the podcast, yeah. actually. I mean, at, at the end of the day, Sophie from Peep Show has got an Oscar. Yeah, yeah, how weird is that? That's the world we're living in now. Yeah, and and also, uh, Nicolas Cage is an Oscar-winning Spider-Man now. So just, just put that yeah. in there. He's not None of us saw that coming. Yeah. Uh, so yeah so that segues nicely into us uh, plugging the podcast edition so if you want our Oscar chat now look at everything that happened uh, just download uh, the latest episode of our extended podcast edition which basically takes the form of this radio edit you're listening to right now plus loads of stuff after the end credits in which this week we shall review the movies Sauvage and (laughs) Of Love and Law which both of which are actually quite good so you know we're not we're not just saving and it's, the and it's nothing yet. to do with Johnny Depp. So nothing to do, it. no. Uh, but yeah, just just we're saving good stuff for the actors. Okay. We're not just putting the putting the the, the rubbish aside. Yeah, when we've got yeah. some rubbish in the actual show. But yeah. Uh, yeah, we've, we've definitely got some rubbish. Cause no spoilers as to what that is. Just no, just, no, no. I mean, it's a film I've got literally tattooed on my right arm. But yeah. For a different film Ooh. of the same name. Ah, uh, uh, <laughs> did you just click? Yeah, it just clicked. It, it just clicked. <laughs> okay, then. So, uh, let's do the first movie of the week, then, shall we? Which is... Fighting With My Family. The... I'm really excited about yeah. this. Did This just yeah. seemed like it was going to be a nice little thing, didn't it? Yes. It is a nice little thing. Well, that's good. It's a nice little That's how movie. I describe the book. <laughs> it's a nice little movie concept that has been shot and turned into a nice little movie that just wants to be a nice little movie. Mm. And that's very nice. Yeah, yeah, good for them. Good for them. Yeah. I'm very happy about it. And he that. just happens to have the rock in it. Happens to have the rock. Well, not even just the rock in it. We'll get to it. Yeah. Okay, so it's the story of uh, Soraya Jade Bevis, better known to the world today as the WWE wrestler Paige. See, I didn't know Paige wasn't even her real name. Ah, uh-huh. no, she goes through many names and just wait till you find out. I tell you. Anyway, so uh, she is part of a family who this was all chronicled in a documentary called Fighting with My Family back in 2011, 2012. It it was like a Channel 4 documentary. I believe it was. It's still available in in full on Vimeo, by the way. The director has actually posted it on Vimeo. Uh, So she is in a family of wrestlers. Her parents uh, were wrestlers. He now, uh, the dad now runs the World uh, Association of Wrestling out of Norwich. You know, the mom is still an in the ring talent. Her brother, Zach, sorry, Zach Zodiac isn't in the ring talent and so is she and she's only I think about 18 uh, 17, 18 I think, at the point that the, the film more or less seems to take shape um, they are selected for tryouts at the WWE the mm. sister and brother so Soraya and Zach he's played by Jack Loud and she's played by Florence Pugh they go along to the tryouts which are run by Vince Vaughn you know and there they encounter a chance meeting with The Rock to get themselves inspired and learn what it takes to be a wrestler and uh, well they pick one sibling but not the other so Zach is sent home empty handed and meanwhile Soraya goes on to you know the next level the the world of fame and fortune she has to deal with being in a world that's so far removed from Mm. everything that she takes comfort in everything that makes her her that here she's now the dedicated outsider without the support network meanwhile Zach has to deal with being the one left behind the outcast yeah. Not even that, it's, it's more, he still has his life, he has the life he's built. Right, but yeah. It's all been in service to the next stage, which he's now been told you simply will never achieve. We have a clip. Hello? Am I speaking to Zach and Brittany? Yeah. My name is Hutch Morgan, I'm calling from WWE. 
We were very impressed by your tape. In April, we're bringing SmackDown to the O2 in London, and we'd like both of you to come down and try out for us. Hello? Uh, they'd be very happy to accept. Good. And we already have a Britney, so just think of an alternative name. Yeah, sure. Okay. Thank, thank you so much. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, thank you. Thank you very much, sir. <laughs> I told you, I told you. It was a given. <laughs> Sorry, what, what is the, the WWE? So it's got an irreverent tone, it's got kind of a joyous... It's got a balance between what I would describe as pub humour mm. and uh, pub humour and sweet sincerity. Sweet sincerity in its drama. Um, it is out-and-out out kind of a dramedy. It's, you know, a family-friendly dramedy. You wouldn't have been surprised to see something like this in the 90s. It's got a slightly sharper edge to it, you know, 12A rating. A bit more of the blue for the dads kind of thing. But it's not... Um, it, it's it's neither. This is, this is the clever thing about it. It works for both a sort of a bro wrestling crowd and a female empowerment crowd. And, I, and to be fair, that's kind of inherent of the story of Paige. Mm. This was always going to make for a good movie. When you saw that documentary, of which this kind of tells the same story. I mean, I don't know if you know that the background to this is... Mm. A little bit, just from what I've seen in interviews with Stephen Merchant just talking about it. I was aware of the documentary. Did you, did you get the bit, bit about The Rock, how he encountered it? Yeah, didn't he... He, like, stumbled... Didn't he stumble on the documentary or something... In his hotel yeah, room hotel whilst room. filming Furious 6 in London. In London, right. Yeah, so just think of the awful things he had to skip past on British TV at that hour to get to that documentary. Just I would love that. I would love to be in a room <laughs> and just watch The Rock, like, just... What's Gogglebox? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> did you see that Gogglebox was on last week's yeah, last week? Did. Oh. Yeah, it did. That was, was the strangest crossover and the uh, <laughs> Bake Off moment. But yeah. Um, yeah, so the idea is that The Rock saw this documentary. He had been in the WWE. He had returned to the WWE just as Paige had sort of ascended to oh, the sort of SmackDown phase. Um, so there is some liberty taken <laughs> with the timeline of the movie, obviously. Yeah. And there are timeline alterations, but they're kind of. I guess you've got to you've, you've got, got to do to. it to make it yeah to make work it for a contemporary something. audience rather than setting it in 2010 for instance yeah you know you have to do things like that and, and the film's innocuous with it that it's fine it's mm. it's it's good enough about it it's it's good natured enough that you just go I don't really care that the Rock wasn't there at that point or she's meant to be there for years rather than what feels like two weeks mm. it works because that story of Paige herself is is actually just an incredibly intriguing one. The story is quite good. She actually is a persona that does translate well, and she fills this void of sort of unlikely role model. In reality, in the movie, we never quite get to see that stage because the story does stop before you get there. The story yeah. kind of runs up to the SmackDown uh, match, you know, the AJ Lee SmackDown yeah. match, if, if you know. I don't know. How much to read you know? Like a, a little bit. I've, I've got friends that are really into it, but um, I'm my, lower medium. I'm lower medium spectrum. I, I would I would say, but like my my love of it kind of came to be honest from playing the PlayStation game. Really, for me, yeah. it's the early nineties. Well, I, I have that as well because my my dad, I would watch it with my dad when I was like four and five and whatever. Oh, you're the hacksaw Jim Duggan era. Yeah. <laughs> but, but then when I got a PS2, I was like, oh, I can be these people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, I believe they've even introduced Paige in the games now they have, as well. Yeah. Uh, Florence P. 
you as Paige is tremendous. I think she's genuinely terrific, both as a critic and as a fan. Yeah. I watched, I sat there and watched it, thought this is a great performance. This academically, she's got great presence. She's got the physicality of it mm. down. I, re- I, I find her credible, believable, and invested in this role. Can I make a motion that we henceforth refer to only as uh, Florence? Pew, pew. Yes, I think Florence, pew, pew. Yeah. Definitely. Cool. Um, as a fan, though, as well, as a fan of the real page, I do think, wow, okay. I would have actually guessed that they'd mm. at least been cocktail buddies or something during the development of the film. Yeah. However, thanks to Instagram, I know they didn't meet until something like two weeks ago. So like during like, all, like, the, the press and premiere. Yeah, stuff, during and... the press tour. That's wow. when she first met Florence Pugh. It'd be interesting to like see what her take of her mm. was. Like... Uh, the real page seems to love it. The family seems to love it. Oh, the real good. Zach Berry yeah. does cameo in there. I did notice him. Oh, that's nice. He does cameo in there. I didn't particularly spot the parents. And, yeah, uh, the parents are played by uh, uh, they are played Nick by Frost. Nick Frost and Lane and Edie. And, well, they're perfect. That's what you They want. really are. That's what you want. Um, Nick Frost has just... I mean. They're not impersonations, but they are perfect representations of the real people. Yeah. I mean, the real Soraya, the mum... Uh, Julia, sorry, because her wrestling name is Soraya, and she names the daughter Soraya for that reason. Um, the real <laughs> Julia, for instance, is, I would say, slightly more on the clouds than Lena Headey plays it. Mm. But Lena Headey still gets the energy and still gets the sort of tone down. You know, the I do know best, but really I'm just as I'm just as filthy, filthy tongued as you. Yeah. You know, and at one point there's a, a recurring gag with a, a, a family catchphrase, for instance, that you know does lead to some really big laughs when you get it from the right character at the right, right. moment. Nick Frost, li- likable, affable, I think, perfect, almost Fred Flintstoneish representation mm. of the real man whose first name I forget. Wow. He, um, he kind of looks like um, a guy called Eddie Hall. He's the, he was he was the world's strongest man, I think. Last yes, year. yes, yes, he, he does, looks a doesn't bit he? Like because Eddie of that Hall. mass, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, they play it really well. Like I say, the humor all the way through is it's very much what you would expect from Stephen Merchant. Mm. It's perhaps not quite as obscene as some of the things that cleverly obscene as some of the things that Stephen Merchant can bring out. If you saw that that Hello Ladies show that he did, the oh year yeah, and stuff like that. Um, is that the HBO one? I think that was the HBO yeah. one. Uh, but it does have, like I say, a line between pub humour mm. and sweet sincere dramedy uh, Jack Loudon's making a fan out of me fast on the directorial front it is workmanlike I didn't really expect much more than that to be honest because were you really need to be any that's it else? did you want Nolan level craftsman did you want a Fincher movie out of the, the manageress of uh, Smackdown oh maybe really maybe yeah. <laughs> I paid to see that movie as well <laughs> The manager of SmackDown? Get me Fincher. Yeah. Get me Trent Reznor to do the music. <laughs> exactly. You can sort of yeah. imagine this. But that's, you know, you can, you can imagine that you could have done this movie very easily with <laughs> David O. Russell and Jennifer Lawrence. And it would have been a Best Picture nominee. But it yeah. would have had nowhere near as much sort of self-awareness or fun with itself. No, well, I, I found that with, like, when they did Joy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah not, not to, like... You know, the title's a little bit ironic, but, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. But yet it was nominated for Best Comedy at Golden I know. Globes. I know. But yeah, Fighting With My Family, I can't recommend it high enough. I had a great time with it. It's not going to change the world or anything, but it's a really fun, really sweet, really sincere movie. I uh, thoroughly recommend. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen, the Movie Marker radio show and podcast. And we're back, Mr. Allen. So, to where shall we journey next? 
Do you know, I don't know. We just decided, and it's literally just... <laughs> you, you, oh. It's been a long time, hasn't it? Yeah, it has, Where it has. Go? I want you to tell me about a film that I don't know anything about. Uh, Give about, me a review. <laughs> how about what they had? Can, can I tell you about that? If you want. You might have seen yeah. this in the run-up to the Oscars. I know you like I to see think, all the Oscar movies. Yeah, this wasn't an Oscar film. This please. wasn't in the end, but it looked for the longest like time it like it like, was like, going to like, what was that Ben Foster film? Leave No Trace. Yeah, kind of like that. You just assumed yeah. it was going to be. Yeah. But, uh, right, in execution, this actually lands somewhere close to something like August Osage County or something right. like, perhaps a mildly less downbeat, still Alice, that kind of a thing. Right. Right, so this, um, <laughs> this has been banded around for a few years as a, as a, as a serious one-to-watch script in development. Mm-hmm. Um, it uh, stars Hilary Swank as uh, a, a woman going through a separate so that's why you got the Oscar thing. You got the Oscar vibe. Oh no, no, no! There's more. So it's got Hilary Swank as a uh, as a young mother going through a separation who returns home on Christmas Eve with her daughter. Mm. Her daughter is it Tysa Farmia? Vera yeah. Farmia's Vera's sister. Yeah, Vera's yeah. sister, Tysa, who just looks like young Vera. Yeah, she does. Um, they return home to her small town. I think it's an Illinois small town on Christmas Eve when her uh, Alzheimer's-stricken mother, played by Blythe Danner, wanders out of the house one night into a blizzard and disappears for several days. Oh, I did see the trailer for this. I remember right. this now, yeah. She returns home where she reunites with her brother, played by Michael Shannon, whose life is a mess. <laughs> and uh, their oh. father, Robert Forster, who isn't in great physical health himself, but insists on being the sole caretaker... Robert for- Forster... Uh, Jackie Brown. Jackie Brown, yeah. yeah. Uh, he insists on being the sole caretaker for his wife because, basically, as he puts it, she's his, she's his life. He exists to look after her. Their love is stronger than anything else she can find elsewhere. He is the ideal candidate to look after her. We have a clip. Dad. I told you not to call her. Biddy, it's Christmas. You ought to be home with your husband. Is she all right? She's well. She's fine. How you squeeze? Hi, Gramps. You okay? Yes, thank you. Oh, Nicholas. Damn it, I knew you'd start smoking again with that bar. Dad, are you all right? Have you checked your blood pressure? I'm fine. What did the doctor say? He hasn't been in yet. Then how do you know she's fine? Because she's fine. Go take a look at her. Down that hall. So, debut film from writer-director Elizabeth Chomko. I'd say the, the screenplay had been uh, quite an acclaimed screenplay in the last few years, and it had gone through uh, development uh, programs through, like, film festivals and things like that, and it, it, she stood head and shoulders out in the in the crowds that she was in because it was quite obvious this was a real emerging talent. Uh, she then got, you know, <laughs> this, this got, then got greenlit, all-star cast to follow, I mean, Blythe Dan and Robert Forster, Hilary Swank. Like I say, this, this has just got Oscar on it, mm. hasn't it? This has just got. This is that film. This is this year's August Osage County, where once you just get the cast together, you can just write your own Oscar. And well, yeah, but even that, even that yeah. didn't. I know, but that's the thing. You, you do look at this film, like just look at the trailer and like or hear the concept and sight unseen. You think, well, that's a best screenplay candidate at the very least, kind yeah. of thing. I mean, the poster just screams nominated for best screenplay, <laughs> but uh, the film itself just. I mean, it's a very well-made film. Elizabeth Chomko has obviously has got a very good handle on drama. The film, though, does feel a little bit subdued for what you want mm. it to be. For one thing, it positions itself around the relationship between Robert Forster and Blythe Danner, but there's not enough of their love story. We're told, rather than shown, about this great love yeah. that holds them together. And Like, I'd seen the trailer, and I was sort of led to believe that that actually was a part of the film. 
when you actually get into the film, I'd forgotten it by the time I actually saw the film, but then when you actually are in it, you just don't think... I feel like if they made more of the connection between these two characters, the rest of the drama intrinsically comes together more. The drama feels disconnected because that bond really isn't there. It's a very good movie and everything. It's academically a three-star film. But once you're in it, you just think, I just wish there was more love between these two. Really sell me on that. Mm. Rather than just being verbally reminded every five or ten minutes or so that, oh, this is the love (laughs) of my life. Really? I've hey guys, seen... there's this. Yeah, I've yeah. not been seeing you in a scene together for like half an hour. I mean, rather than telling me, maybe. I mean, there's like the smallest thing, like a handhold, you know, something like that. Anything. And, and there's, there's a couple of little bits like that, but you want them to make a bigger deal of it. You feel like a fluffier version of this might actually have been more successful. Having said that, though, performances, you know, what are you going to get from this crowd? That's it. Do, do you think Michael Shannon could play a sort of screw-up <laughs> bar owner? I think Michael Shannon could do anything that anyone else could do. But probably, <laughs> probably crazier. <laughs> That's crazier eyes. With a menacing calm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Hilary Swank, great. Robert Forster. I, I, I love it when Michael Shannon turns up in a comedy. Oh, I do. Just like, I do. What? And Christmas, of course, the best time because you get to revisit the night before. Yeah. When, who does he turn up as in that? He's the, the Angel Gabriel? Or essentially. Jesus or yeah. someone? Or? He's, he's essentially like the Angel Gabriel. Yeah, great yeah. character though. He's, he's in a film that's on Netflix I've not watched yet. I think it's called Pottersville. Or I've heard of it, I've not. not that's that's the one, it's like it's like a little, like, mm. it's like small town America and Bigfoot is there. <laughs> And Michael Shannon is the one who dresses up like Bigfoot. Oh, nice. I like it. And I don't know why I've not seen it yet. Well, so, uh, this did. This is not going to ask her. I think it's uh, worth seeing, but don't expect to be blown <clears> away. I mean, it, it is sort of a stock, the stock talky Oscar drama <laughs> that just didn't happen to make it in this case. But it's a perfectly above average one, to be fair. I uh, wouldn't be surprised to see Elizabeth Chonko turn up and add some gravitas to a fluffy studio pic down the line, though. At some point, yeah. I think like that's kind of what I think will happen <clears throat> yeah. with, with, with uh, Elizabeth Chonko from this. We'll get some more work, yeah, but I say. But, but I, think mm. they'll, I think there'll be a journeyman-like job that she winds up making herself an overnight star out of. Like uh, some kind of like rom-com vehicle or something. That she winds up elevating to something a lot more. I can see that happening. Yeah. You know, in that way that John M. Chu had with uh, Crazy Rich Asians. I was literally just thinking yeah. about it. Yeah. Where you say, well, this has all the readings of something quite fluffy, but then you get to it like, oh, actually, this is a lot more. By the way, did you get to see Crazy Rich Asians? I did, yeah. Did you I, like it? I liked it. Oh, okay then. Yeah, I'm, I'm well, taking that as a win. Were you, were you expecting me to not to like it? Uh, were you quite you <clears> down on seeing it, if I remember correctly? That was just based on the trailer. Yeah, fair. like nothing, nothing based on what it stood for. Which sold a fluffy and, movie. Yeah, but, but when you see, we see the film. It is a different film. So I, I did, I did like it. Um, yeah, it's made loads of money. And what have we learned, children? <laughs> Don't judge films on trailers. That's, that is it. <laughs> That's the lesson yeah. to take away here. See every movie, regardless of how good or bad, bad the trailer, trailer is. is. Yeah. If you yeah. go see a film because the trailer is incredible, mm. you're going to be let down. Which is probably why I still have to go and see X-Men Dark Phoenix. That just looks the worst. Do you imagine if it's like, it's like the Citizen Kane? No, no. <laughs> so, a bit of film news before we get to the top five. What do you got for me? Well, we have been talking about the Oscars a little bit. Like I said, mm-hmm. we're going to get more into more detail later on. We are. But um, I think by now we knew that uh, Barry Malik was going to win Best Actor, and he did. There was just a mood on the day, wasn't there? Yeah. It was just... It was just like... Window. Yeah. yeah. You looked <laughs> out the window that morning. Malik. Yeah. Yeah. So it's Malik day. But, so. I mean, I... <clears throat> sorry, I, I was not... I was not on board for him, and then I finally ended up watching it, and I was like, yeah... 
Yeah, it was good. Fair, fair. Yeah. So um, what's next for him? That's the question. Well, he is in final negotiations to be the villain in uh, Bond 25. Excellent. Which has got the working title of uh, Shatterhand. Huh. Right now. Not Shatterhand. Not Shatterhand, which is a much better film, a parody <laughs> I want to see at some point. Too. I know. Um, and you just know he'd do it on YouTube <clears throat> as well, don't you? You would, yeah. yeah. Uh, apparently Shatterhand was, uh, that's some kind of like alias, but Blofeld is used. Uh-huh. So... Yeah, I, I would rather Bluffold not be involved again. Maybe that's the twist, the subversion on it was that the name will be taken by a different villain. Oh, possibly. But, yeah, but I'd, I'd be, I'd what, be up for that. What I call uh, playing the Gotham card. Playing the Gotham card. Yeah. So, shall we crack through the box office top five real quick? Oh yeah, it's been a while. Okay, well, let's get on at them. Number five, the kid who would be king. Which I never got to see. No, did um, I? I will. I will watch it. I'll probably watch it as soon as it's on Netflix. I didn't realise the kid is uh, Andy Serkis' mini, mini, son. Mini Gollum. Yeah. yeah. Like okay, all yeah. the talent runs in the family. He, so. he really looks like him as well. Like once you realise that, once once you know who he is, you're like, of course he is. <laughs> makes so much sense. <laughs> I know. I like the look of it to be honest, and it has gone down relatively favourably with friends of mine. And he does seem like the kind of Percy Jackson level fancy that I do enjoy. It does. It's, it's not. It's not set the box office on fire. I think probably a combination of marketing and just other just competing films out at the time. But uh, yeah, Joe. Co- I can't believe it's taken this long for Joe Cornish to make another film. I know. I know. It's, it's, it's been like through, five years, hasn't it? It's five years since uh, Tyler Block. Longer than Long that, I think. think. Yeah. So, uh, did anybody tweet about it, and what did uh, what did they think of the kid who would have they? I don't know. Let's have a look. <laughs> uh, yeah, Maisie Smith Walters. She says, "Of all the weird Brexit commentary, hashtag the kid who would be king is the weirdest." I'm sure when we'll see that, we'll get that reference and we'll be like, ooh, very astute. Number four. Alita, battle angle. Did you see this one? No, not yet. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I ain't seen any of these in the top five. Oh, you haven't seen any of the ones in the top five? Okay. No. Um, it, it's just, it's the new Ghost in the Shell, basically. Cool. Imagine Ghost in the Shell stopped dead to go and do the plot of Rollerball every now and again. Yeah. And the goal was the city from Elysium. It looks like that bit in, uh, what's that, Spielberg... Kubrick one. AI. AI. Yeah, well, like all the robots are like... Yeah, like it that has that. Bit, yeah. It, it would like to be AI. What it is is Ghost in the Shell. Ghost in the That's a shame, because it's that is people we like. And, I can't yeah. figure out why. I mean, the special effects are just beyond terrible at times. Mm. Some of the... I mean, the Ed Screen robot character is astonishing. He, he looks funny. like he's straight from AI. Oh, he, he, yeah, he, yeah, he, he looks a bit like Jiggle Joe. Totally has that kind of parts. that that la- lack of, of realism to it. Yeah, uh, it's ju- it just looks terrible. Um, to be honest with you, it's a movie that's really forgettable as well. I came mm. away from it, and I, I can remember very little about the actual plot now. Mm. And every now and again, another bit of story comes to comes to mind. Like, oh god, that happened, didn't it? That yeah, Mahershala Ali was it? Yeah, I, I forgot Mahershala. Mm. Oh, Michelle, like I can't remember Michelle Rodriguez being in the film. I didn't know. Well, it makes sense given who's made it. Yeah, but... she's in there. I can't remember seeing her in there. I saw it three, four weeks ago. Isn't what's oh, what's what's the name from Beautiful Mind? Jennifer Connelly. Jennifer, Jennifer Connelly. Jennifer Connelly. I think she's Christoph Waltz's ex-wife. I think. Oh. Don't quote me though, because I don't remember. But Christoph because Waltz is in it. I think. Look, it was three or four weeks ago. The film is very, very forgettable. <laughs> now, has anyone remembered enough to tweet us? <clears throat> yeah, it's just Robert Rodriguez telling us what happens. <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, at D underscore Riv. Yep. A day later, and I'm still thinking about Alita Battle Angel. <laughs> Presumably trying to think what happened. <laughs> trying to remember what happened. Um, his final act suffers from trying to do too... Wow, this guy's a critic. Okay. From trying to do too much. But that's hardly a unique issue among uh, blockbuster films with eyes on a franchise. Uh, the rest of the movie is so thrilling and compelling that it's just stuck with me. So... Exact opposite of me, then. One of you guys are wrong, and I don't know this guy, so... But you know me, so you know why I'm I'm side with you. That's fair. Yeah, Ge- geographical convenience. Number three. How to Train Your Dragon Free the Hidden World. Oh, you what? So you haven't seen this one? I've not you? seen this. I will. Like, it's a good one of those uh, yeah. parent and baby screenings. Yeah, we're looking out for them, but every day that they're on, we're working. Well, I'm, I'm working, so it's, yeah. it's difficult to do. My, my sister did that with... Uh, Oh, I can't remember what film it was. No, it might have been. Mexico. I thought for a second you'd forgotten what your nephew was called. <laughs> Did that with uh, what's his name what's his again? Name? Yeah. Tony Short Bald thing. Well, it was a short bald one. What's the short bald guy's name? Short bald guy. <laughs> Dan DeVio. Dan DeVio. But yeah, my sister did uh, Mary Poppins, I think. But uh, yeah, yeah. Oh. So, How to Train Your Dragon three worthy ending to the series. Um, I, I did have some tears towards the end because, you know, bear in mind, they, they've closed the story off. The, the, the storybook is effectively, I mean, literally, because the first <laughs> one opens with an actual storybook. I think it, it does, yeah. So I think there is a, a, a literal close of a storybook to, to mm. the end of this. And we do get the complete story. This this is tying off this, this legend, you know. And we've got all the animated shows and stuff that take place in between. But I thought, really good ending. Not as strong a movie as the second one. I really enjoyed the second one. But that second one. One's a real yeah. benchmark, isn't that? Is a real yeah. that, that's basically that's the Godfather two of that series, if we're honest. But <laughs> you know what I mean. This is not Godfather three. This is Godfather one. Yeah. I saw a thing about Frozen two because the, the trailer for that oh, dropped, and I... in, instead of it being Frozen and then the number two, it's Frozen and then like Roman numerals two. And someone on Twitter was like. It's like Godfather, that you know it's going to be a quality film. <laughs> <laughs> but I just don't know why it's a superhero movie. Anyway, has anybody tweeted us about? Yes, uh, at uh, Riva Sanrani, I think, says, "No, I'm not crying. You're crying." Hashtag Hatchet Dragon. Number two, Instant Family, which hopefully I'm going to watch like tonight. Right, I'm thinking about it. No, I've heard it's good. I, I, I know it's good. You, I mean, you've seen it. I, I saw it. I, I went in expecting what I was expecting, which is. There's a poster across the street on that bus stop mm. of a white background with people leaning. And, uh, mm. and two of those people are, you know, the stars of Bad Neighbours and Daddy's Home. And they've got a Hispanic family. So this is obviously going to be like an adoption or godparent comedy. Then you see the trailer and you go, oh, good Lord, this is going to be terrible. Then you see the movie and you think, what the hell were the marketing department thinking? Because I don't know what movie they were advertising. It sure as hell is not Instant (laughs) Family. Instant Family is more like an Apatow movie than Daddy's Home. Right. And they've marketed Daddy's Home. And you think, okay, I understand that just with it having Marky Mark in. Yeah. yeah. Having that, they've gone for the screwball laughs in the marketing. It just doesn't quite work that way. The movie is a lot more heartfelt, a lot more sincere. And because it is, it's also funnier <clears throat> than it has any right to be. It's a lot better a movie. Yeah. Um, I have quibbles with it, which is like all, and again, sort of a 90s-style family uh, dramedy in that way that Fighting With My Family kind of is. Mm. But again... 
a punch slightly higher. I think it actually is a 12A, and I think it does edge slightly higher on the on the tonal scale towards adult. Mm. But you do uh, you go away from it and think, I feel like the characters were all interesting enough that if we'd stuck with the plot of the film being about the bond between the family, about how to connect with the kids and how those relationships work, like because when it does that stuff, it's great. If it stayed like that, that's enough of a movie for me. That is an mm. Apatow movie. And as Judd Apatow has taught us many times, it's only when you add a plot at the 11th hour that things start to go off the rails. No one needs the bike chase at the end of The 40-Year-Old Virgin. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, the film work would work if it I, I like to. that if only to have a bit of Asia <laughs> in my film soundtrack. <laughs> But this film kind of does the same, and obviously it's a, it's a foster parent movie, so if I say that there's a courtroom element, you can sort of vaguely imagine what direction What's it has to go yeah. in. Um, but it's sweet and sincere enough to pull it off. And Mark Wahlberg is likeable enough kind of playing up, being dad Mark Wahlberg. Mm. He doesn't wake up at 4am, though, to go and work out and pray. It's worth no, and then whatever. What, what does he do? He gets frozen for half an hour. Yeah, well. yeah, yeah. Hyperbaric chamber and stuff. Yeah. Hyperbaric chamber, and then he has steamed broccoli yeah. for six minutes. He's playing it on basically the Ted level. Yeah, he's playing it as the Ted level. Has he, got, has he got the same accents? Kinda, yeah. Um, she's playing it. Uh, Rose, Rose Burns playing it at the uh, uh, bad neighbors level. It's fine. It I really like her in Bad Neighbours. Isabella Mona, though, is the standout star, the teenage daughter. She's it, the standout. She, she, she's like the eldest of the kids. She is. She's our new Dora the Explorer. Oh, is she? Yeah. Who, oh. incidentally, also starred with Mark Wahlberg in Transformers The Last Night because she's oh, the little girl. Yeah, of course that, she is. Yeah. She's the little girl he offensively refers <clears throat> to as J Lo and J-Lo. no one battered an eyelid. No. But anyone has anyone has uh, any any how has anyone tweeted? Uh, <laughs> about Yoda, can't yeah. yeah. Has anyone tweeted about uh, Instant <clears throat> Family? Uh, Jack says saw hashtag Instant Family today. I was expecting another average comedy like Daddy's Home. Yeah. Uh, are you actually Jack? But it was one of the best movies. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm losing my voice. I've not been on for a long time. Best movies I've seen recently. Uh, nothing else had me switching from crying to laughing so much in such a short space. For years, go watch it. Yeah, fair. It's a bit, it's a bit commanding. Fair enough. But I think he's right, though. I, I did have a really good time. The infinitely better than I was led to expect. Yeah. But, yeah. Number one, the Lego Movie, the second part. Mm. Is that me? Is that the? That's the official title. Lego Movie Two, the second part. Super cool. Yeah, the second part. <clears throat> it's a bit unimaginative, isn't it? After like Sharknado. Yeah. I just, I just thought like the second piece. Yeah, second piece would have worked. Or another better, piece. It? Yeah. yeah. Or the next block. The next, the next block would have been <gasps> way better. The next brick. The next brick. Oh. 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 Well, anyway. come on, Denmark, sort it out. I don't think the Lego Movie Two is as good as the first movie. I'm just going to say that out there. Um, I just don't think it has quite as strong a balance between its wacky out there plot and the metatextual mm. story it would like to tell. The first movie is as is regarded as being as brilliant as it is because it has that balance rather perfect. This decidedly does not and does wander off too heavy-handedly into either direction at completely unexpected times. It's fine. I laughed and I enjoyed it. I I wasn't too sold on the idea of this series becoming a musical. That one kind of irks me a little bit. I kind of prefer the way that it was before where 
music had a point outside of actually, you know, being used to make points. So there's, there's loads of songs in this one? That's only about three or four, but okay. you know what I mean? But it's more than like the first one. More than the first one, but they are full-blown stop-the-show five-minute musical yeah. numbers. Uh, also, the Tiffany Haddish character I just found a bit annoying, to be honest. Well, that's just me. <laughs> I don't think it's just you. No? No. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, for, for a while, I just found myself wanting to like her, because I was like, what am I missing? What am I missing about her? Yeah, I kind of see what you mean. And she's she's got a film coming up with um, uh, Elizabeth Moss yeah. and Melissa McCarthy, and huh. they all play like like mob wives. Oh, I mean, I'm sorry. And, like that. and I think good. it's I think it's set in like the seventies or early eighties or something. But like that sounds really intriguing. But you would get both three people together. Yeah, so, I'm intrigued by that. Why not? We'll see. Um, Twitter, however, mm-hmm. what do they say? At uh, Evil Angel 2020. So that's, that's them running for president as well. Fair, fair. Oh, so many Democrats. Uh, well, I have a headache from all the crying I did at the hashtag Lego Movie 2. Hashtag worth it. Uh, all the Lego movies are so incredible and I love the messages in each of them. Like and cry every time. Pull yourself together. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen. The Movie Marker radio show and podcast. And we're back, Mr. Allen. So, should we look to the hole in the ground next? We can. I don't know where it is. Wasn't there a thing in Sheffield years ago called the hole in the ground? Yes, there was a whole section of the road, like a roundabout that was sort of uh, like a a shopping complex inside. Yes, very scary shop windows. They used to be in darkened tunnels if you wanted to get a Dixon. Tandy, sorry. Tandy, that's it. Tandy, yeah. (laughs) So, um, this is the. this is the latest film from, well, actually, the debut film from Lee Cronin, who um, previously, I think, has just made short films. This is, uh, th- sorry, this stars, I think her name's uh, Sienna Kerslake, who is tremendous. Good name. Something of a young Rebecca Hall quality mm. to her. Uh, she's a woman trying to, uh, es- you know, flee and escape from <laughs> some kind of trauma. Uh, she moves to sort of a, a backwards, uh, more rural kind of uh, a, a place. But by the way, it, it's um, it, it's the kind of place that has uh, James Cosmo living in it. That's how rural it is. You know what I mean? Like a place can only be so rural and I, British. Uh, before... I made uh, I made my wife watch um, at Highlander the other day, and of course James Cosmo. James, James Cosmo, yeah, 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 James Cosmo. Um, yeah, so she moves out there with her young son. She has a terrifying encounter one day, which we'll detail in the clip in a moment. Um, and after that, she starts to have suspicions about who. Her son, who her young her young child's son may or may not be. Here is a clip of her receiving that information from a creepy-ass woman in the middle of the roads. Excuse me. Can you move off the road, please? This is Brady. This is Brady. It's not your boy. So stop me if you've heard anything like that before. I mean, just sound a couple a, of times. Yeah, yeah, it sounds a bit subhereditary now, doesn't it? You know, just without yeah. physically seeing, like, it just kind of sounds like hereditary again and I want to watch a film again. I'll tell you something though, hereditary casts a long shadow over the horror genre. It, it, it really yeah, does. just every like A24 Trailer mm. since then just seems to be. This does feel like you know, this does feel like yeah. it would like to be one of those. 
Definitely has that yeah. aspiration to A24, trying to fit into that same kind of, you know, that A24 aesthetic that's out there now. Yeah. Like, this does, you can feel uh, the influence of, of people like Corin Hardy, for instance, on it. And I'm thinking of, like, the Hallow rather oh, no. than none. Yeah. You know, um, just have the influence of something like that, or the Vivich. Yeah, who, di- who directed the Vivich? Do you know, I can't remember who directed the Vivich offhand. Oh. Was it Bubba Vince? Bubba Vaughn? It wasn't Bubba Vince. It wasn't Vincent Gallo either. Um, so, but no, the whole thing with this is, although it aspires to be that kind of a film, it doesn't really have the substance to get there. It's well enough put together. Like you, you can tell, for instance, that uh, Lee Cronin's uh, visual sensibility—they are there. What's not there though is a story. It's just it doesn't quite work. I mean, he's only the co-writer on it. Doesn't quite ever come together does feel ultimately like we want to hit these markers from these movies we can string this together like it comes out for it's halfway between the Babadook and and Hereditary really Mm. it kind of fits into that framework the problem is those are not things that really work when you combine them and no matter no matter how much grey colour grading you apply to sort of grey blue colour grading that they apply You know, it can look the part all it wants. The problem is it can't play the part. Yeah, I guess if it's not got that story that's going to carry it, then what's the point? Exactly. I mean, for one thing, you don't particularly care about the sun, and there is this this, this sort of standard horror movie thing about children. You have to care about the children for that to really make sense. I think the only real exception to that is The Omen, because no one really ever cared about Damien. But it's Oh, just, poor Damien. Damien. <laughs> poor Damien. Poor Damien. Well, Damien, he was a yeah. creepy-ass kid, man. He grows up to be... Creepy ass Samuel. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Sianica's like, I think, great performance though. Really what great. What else do I know? I feel like I've heard that name. Yeah, somewhere. this is the thing. I, I, I thought I had, turned out I hadn't. So. Mm. Uh, I mean, she's in. Is, is there a family of Curse Lakes? I don't believe so. <laughs> a a, a Curve River, if you will. Curve River. Oh, oh, I see what you did there. No, uh, she's she's absolutely terrific in it, but unfortunately, the film is decidedly not. And um, you know, other and better horror movies and even recent ones are available. So I would see something there first. In the meanwhile, let's uh, go over to the news really quickly. What have you got for me? Anything uh, news, of note? News, 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 news. I'm sure news, someone's news, joined news, Dune news. in the last seven minutes. <laughs> shall, we, shall we just go over Dune? Because I bet that's happened since we've... I, I can't even yeah. remember what the full cast list of Dune is. Should we do our weekly check-in? I'm going to come up with a jingle, and we'll just have a weekly check-in on Dune. Weekly Dune thing, yeah. Yeah. Oh, let's do it. Right. The, the Dune Report. <gasps> the Dune Report. Oh. The Dune Report. We'll make it Dune, sound Dune, newsy. Dune, Dune Patrol. Yeah, we'll make it sound newsy, and it'll be the the Dune Report. Who <laughs> was? Yeah, right. Let's 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 get on this properly. Go on, go on. The last person I can remember was Josh Brolin. Okay. No, no, it wasn't. The last person was happy about it. See, I'm already forgetting. Yeah, see, it's hard to keep track, isn't it? In fact, that's not even the last person. I'm afraid Em's not the last person. <laughs> right. Okay. No, I think I've got it. The last David, person. David. David, David de Small right, Should we just go through the list in the beginning? Let's go through the, the list again. From yeah. the beginning. Okay. So I've got uh, Timothy Chalamet as the start. Yep. As he's, he's playing okay. Paul Trace, yeah. Then we got Rebecca Ferguson. He's playing his mum. Okay. Then we got uh, Dave Batista. Yeah. yeah. Then we got Stalin Skarsgård. Yeah, he's playing Baron. Uh, Glossu Raban and Vladimir Harkin. Oh no, those are the names of the characters. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, don't say, I don't think we have. Didn't know. I just thought European actors. 
I might not know. They're probably friends we sell in. I was just thinking, Harkonnen, that sounds familiar. Oh, yes, it's from Dune. Yeah. Um, let's see. Charlotte Rampling, she joined. Yep. Oscar Isaac joined. Uh, Zendaya. Yeah. Javier Bardem. Yep. Josh Brolin. Jason Momoa. He's the last person. And David Desmolchin. That's who we got so far. That is not finished. That's not That's enough. not no, done. No, no. But that's a good cast. That's insane. That is. Wow. And this is a two-part movie as well. Yep. Okay, fair play. So choose like, well, we, the Well, we, we know Cosmosics <laughs> is based on a book, and then there is another film, and there's a TV Six show. series. Yeah, this was yeah. All, we, we know that some of these characters don't last either very long or won't be making mm. some second part anyway. <laughs> um, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's a sweeping epic. Just, I just think never really been realised, has it? No, and hopefully now it will be, and yeah, some of these people... Well, Dune to come uh, next year, I believe. End of next year, I think. Something like twenty twenty. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think it is. Like the end. It's got a release date, hasn't it? I think it has got an official release date. Let me just end, end of next year. Oh, no, November twentieth is the release date next year. So thank God they dropped uh, that Pierre Morel version. Huh? <laughs> hey, Peter Berg was offered that. I mean, was he actually? Peter Berg was offered it, and oh. then uh, Pierre Morel, and that was under Paramount. So, God knows. Right, let me talk to you really quickly about Foxtrot, then. You may have encountered this at some point, because this film is, like, two and a half, three years old. It's one of those movies that got picked up at a festival. It's an Israeli film, got picked up at a festival, Mm. and it's been in that limbo period between getting picked up and getting put out. So they're now putting it out. It's out by Curzon, and it is an Israeli drama written and directed by Samuel Moaz. It is the story of a Tel Aviv couple whose son serves in the military. Uh, they are told one day that he has been killed in action. And <laughs> as, as you would expect, their entire world instantly falls apart, because mm. why wouldn't it? And we explore the ramifications this has, the toll it takes on their lives, and meanwhile, we also follow a separate story chronicling the son's actual activities in the service, which takes a slightly more proactive emotional response. Now, I'm not going to tell you any more than that because the film is not very subtle about where it's going with those two elements. It is not particularly uh, shy about dropping big whopping hints. And I mean (laughs) astonishingly whopping hints. Just like... Yeah, just like... just. Just, Here it is. Yeah, just lays it all out there. Um, Leo Ashkenazi, terrific performance in the lead. Uh, thanks to him, I can safely say that when this inevitably gets its English language remake, it will star either Steve Carell or Brian Cranston. I can say that with a reasonable amount of certainty. I would like to bet money with you now, sir. Could we go to this William Hill? Go track him down. <laughs> I, shall, I shall track down this. Uh, this William. might be a naive thing to say. This is there an actual so, William, William Hill? Oh, are they, is, is he like Mr. Monopoly? I thought it was a hill that they just called William Hill. It's, like <laughs> oh, yeah. it's not named for a landmark. Oh, okay. I don't know. Yeah. I if like anyone knows, let us know. Yeah, yeah, please. Just hit us up, man, at Movie Market. Anyway, so, um, well-directed. So Samuel Myers has basically got this wonderful juxtaposition between handheld, uh, you know, more tension-driven stuff and rather more traditional, but actually quite inventively and classic, yet classically framed visuals so it looks the part and it plays the part quite well it's very gripping mm. it's very interesting but <laughs> even if you weren't uh, you know sold on the idea of this israeli uh, Israeli family drama which i do think is very good it is worth seeing purely for leo ashkenazi's performance it's a great role it really is like i say brian cranston would eat this up like when, <laughs> when the inevitable english language remake comes brian cranston's yeah. got this because that's who you get that's who you got that's, for, that's for the intouchables didn't get to see him in network when i was in new york Really wanted to. 
No, did they film that work? I don't know. I hope they did. That's for it all over the subway and billboards. Over it there. was in it was in London as well, wasn't it? Was it? Yeah. A thingy award. This will get an inevitable remake, and it yeah. deserves to. There you go. I thought it was great. All right. With the latest film news and reviews, this is off screen. The Movie Marker Radio Show and Podcast. Back for one last ride, Mr. Allen. And you know what I've got to give you now, don't you? <laughs> I don't want it. <laughs> Keep it. You're, you're, gonna, you're gonna take some serenity, sir. That's what you're gonna take. Oh. Are you ready? I'll never be ready for this. Right. So McConaughey, Hathaway, Hunsu, Clark. <laughs> Director Stephen Knight. I don't think I love Jason Clark. But I don't think Jason Clark is a name that you can just poster. you can just say the surname. Is it like when they tried to put Cox on a King of Thieves poster and everyone's like, who, Yeah, I know who Kane and yeah. Nine Spall everyone are. But yeah, like, yeah, like who the hell is Cox? Courtney yeah. Cox. <laughs> just put Daredevil. <laughs> yeah, but uh, no. So yeah, um, this is uh, writer director Stephen Knight, who of course brought us Lock, a film of which I am very fond. As am I. I love it. I, I do a half-decent impression of Locke. <laughs> I love that. The concrete. I'm talking about a concrete. <laughs> <laughs> Such a good movie. I, I need to watch that again. Yeah. Anyway, so he has written and directed this, which is a neo-noir thriller. I have to be very careful with what I say about this. Don't give it away, because I, I will watch it. Right. For my if audience. you don't know already, keep it that way. Now, yeah. I, I had this accidentally ruined for me, and then forgot. And then I saw oh, the movie, good. and yeah. then it happened, and I was like, Oh, this is that one, isn't it? <laughs> it's the Homer Simpson in the in the cinema going. Oh, I've heard about this movie. It turns out the secret code is the same nursery rhyme he's saying to his daughter. You know, it's that movie. You know, <laughs> this was that for me. So Matthew McConaughey is Baker Dill. Baker Dill is an Iraq. No one has that name. All right, Baker Dill. Baker Dill. Right. I just want to tell you. Right. In fact, just go with it. Yeah, I'm going to take your reactions as natural. Just go with it. Right. Baker Dill is an Iraq war vet who now, a decade or so later, ekes out a living on this remote fishing island called Plymouth, which sort of looks like Mauritius, but also sort of looks like Nicholas Sparks' New England. But it does look like Plymouth. <laughs> but it doesn't look like our, British our Plymouth. Plymouth yeah. no. um, he runs a rickety old fishing boat. Okay. He eats out a living running uh, private fishing trips, doing odd jobs, finding lost cats, and boning the local divorcee, who's played by Diane Lane. Nice. Oh. And he does all of these things, including boning the local divorcee, purely to fund his true passion, the consumption of rum. Now, whilst he is... Can I just pause you for a quick second? Is Diane Lane paying... McCoy? Yes. For, for sex, yes. For sex. Yes. This is dropped in as if it's a completely natural thing. Diane Lane doesn't need to pay for that. Diane Lane's I, I, a, yeah, yeah, as if Diane Lane needs yeah. to... Yeah, I know. Just, I know. just go off to Ro- Rodanfi, wherever she goes. Yeah, or a Tuscan son. <laughs> yeah, Tuscan son. Yeah. I'm sure they still let her in at 1600. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> actually, no, let's, let's not joke about what happened to Diane Lane in 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. No. But, uh, okay, anyway, so... Um, right. He's doing all this for his, his, his consumption of rum, during mm. which he discovers... Bear in mind, this is Matthew McConaughey. So, you know, perma-scal, bit of a crinkle at the side of the mm. eyes, body glistening from head to toe in that sweat that in no way suggests that the team of five have been basting him since, since morning. You know, yeah, that, well, he had loads of stuff from when he did Magic Mike. Yeah, so. exactly. He gets a big so. industrial tub. 
Classic McConaughey. Yeah. Right. So, his ex-wife, the psychotically blonde Anne Hathaway... Oh, that's his ex-wife? Yeah. Rocks up to the island with her new husband... Jason Clark. a bit of a nasty fellow, Jason Clark. Oh, yeah. A bit into the drinking, a bit into the slappy slappy. Mm. Okay. It turns out he's also abusing Baker Dill's son as well. Played by... Played by, we don't... Some kid. Some kid, yeah. Baker Dill's got, got a son with Anne Hathaway? With Anne Hathaway whom he's also having strange visions about. But Anne Hathaway isn't there about the visions. Anne Hathaway is there because of the slappy slappy with the sun. So she offers Baker Dill a cool $10 million to take her new hubby on a private fishing trip during which he will drink too much, fall overboard, and <laughs> never be seen or heard from again. So not, not kill him, but... Well, kill him, yeah, but it's going to look lead, like... Lead to his death. Lead, yeah. Well, not so much kill him, so much as make him not be alive <laughs> anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Here's a clip. My husband is joining me here the day after tomorrow. I told him that I would charter a boat for fishing tuna. I want you to take him out on your boat. Let him get drunk. Then drop him in the ocean for the sharks. In return, I will give you $10 million cash. <laughs> so I'm going to save you some suspense. It's rubbish. I mean, it's, I can't wait, bro. It's rubbish. Now, that's the thing. I know you can't wait because there is obviously that immediate response to hearing something's rubbish to which you immediately think, oh, I hope it's so bad it's good. You know, I hope yeah. it's the canyons. But yeah. it's not. You want everything to be the room, don't you, with that? Yeah, you want everything to be yeah. the room. Even the canyons isn't the room. Yeah. And if you've not seen the canyons, by the way, just hilarious. Just ab- just rock on, Lindsay Lohan, really. Just absolutely hilarious. This is not so bad it's good, it's just awful. Um, the problem is, for, let's just say conservatively, the first hour, everybody involved is intentionally making a bad movie. Mm-hmm. Right, we know it, they know it. It's not particularly visible on the screen that they know it, but... They know it. They are making a bad movie. They're doing their best to make a bad movie, and that's kind of the problem. And there are things like certain shots, certain camera movements, certain ways that locations are framed, things like that, that are very deliberate, very calculated, way that dialogue is delivered, way that exposition is unfurled, the way that information is imparted just between one character at just yeah. the right moment. Everything is very calculated. The problem is, in order to get away with all that and it be for a bad movie, you have to take that somewhere. Mm. And the problem is that when it should be taking that somewhere, what it does instead is make another bad movie, but a different kind of bad movie. And that just doesn't work. I I can't really go into much more for spoiler reasons. Mm. I will tell you, though, that it is in no way as clever as it thinks it is. In absolutely no way. Like, once... Once we're past initial bad movie and we're down to, here's why you've been watching a bad movie. It's, it doesn't work. It doesn't land. You just kind of roll your eyes and think, well, now I've got more bad movie to watch. Mm. It's like that. The cast are fine. The only problem is we've seen them do actual bad movies and have more fun. So there's no fun, really, to be drawn out of getting the star of Failure to Launch and Bride Wars to star in a bad movie when they've already done that many times and actually enjoyed themselves. Here we have, well, now we're just going to do it and scowl a bit more. 
Yeah, I mean, if you, if you know you're going to be doing a bad movie, you might as well go get paid, go have a holiday. And, yeah. Do you remember the Will Ferrell, Kristen Wiig made-for-TV movie a couple of years of the Lifetime movie? Yeah, the one where we played really straight, and yeah. it's funny as a result of that. That, yeah, that yeah. is what this needed to needed be to for be. its first hour. Yeah. And the second half of this... Needed... So when, when the twist happens or something. When, when it's all reframed very specifically, it needed to take on a lot more integral a tone. It becomes something that feels like an idiot's version of a, of a Christopher Nolan movie. Yeah. Or Damon Lindelof's Fantasy Island. Or... <laughs> are we making a Fantasy Island? They are making a Fantasy Island, yes. They are with uh, Michael Pena. Yeah, yeah. Um, or uh, forgetting Sarah Marshall on the thirteenth floor. There's, there's, there's <laughs> loads of stuff you could you could compare this to. So have like a frame of reference. Yeah, everything you can compare this to, though, will invariably be better, better than the actual than film itself. Yeah. It's just not in any way interesting or enjoyable enough to get away with what it's trying to. Points to it for leaning in so hard as it does. <laughs> leaning into the skid. Yeah, leaning into it, fine. You know, you get a point for that, but it will be literally the only point this gets other than basic competency. Mm. It just simply does not work. So, yeah, I mean... So it's film of the week. <laughs> it's clearly film of the week, isn't it? <laughs> no, um, I don't know. I mean, film of the week this week, I'm, I'm going to have to go with Fighting With My Family, which I just thought was a tremendously enjoyable yeah, engaging it, it film. Yeah, it sounds like it's got bags of charm. It has got bags of charm. I can't recommend it highly enough. Uh, you know, I, I, By the way, the Dwayne Johnson element is noticeably uh, dialed down compared to what the marketing would have you believe. He's on a bus. Yeah. The, ta- the tagline is genius, so you know that Stephen Merchant came with it. Go on. Stuck between a rock and a hard place. No, that's the one, yes. That's it. Um, I will tell you uh, uh, one thing, though, um, because this case came up briefly earlier, but the name Paige, which I think is the fourth name she goes by, do you know where it comes from? Because I didn't until I saw the film. No. Charmed. Oh. Comes from Rose McGowan's character in Charmed. Ah. And you know this because she actually has the poster, a Charmed, yeah, Charmed poster. Rose McGowan poster in her bedroom next right. to all the, the wrestlers that she has. I didn't know that's where it had come from. I honestly thought it was just like that scene in Showgirls where uh, Alan Rafkin or whoever it is yeah. is up on the stage and starts calling them Pollyanna and giving them random Bad names. names. I thought the WWE just did that, but with less nudity. Just like... Yeah. Page. Yeah. <laughs> Come back in a year. <laughs> but alas, it's not. So, uh, yeah, so let's see what we've got coming up next week off screen. So, Everybody Knows is out next week. Not yeah, an adaptation of the Learning Code that's, song. That's um, good reference, good point. Yeah, um, uh, Happy about them and Penelope Cruz. Penelope Cruz. Are they the real life couple? Yeah, they're they married. They've they? got kids. They're perfectly adorable. They are. Who is M- uh, Monica Bellucci married? Is that Vincent Cassell? Because I get the two. Yeah, because didn't we find that out when we were doing a deep dive on. Yeah, I'm him, I'm Vincent Cassell. <laughs> uh, we've also got Maiden next week, which is the sailing movie. We've got Rosie. We've got um, Kindergarten Teacher with Maggie Gyllenhaal. Oh, That's I really want to see week. that. Uh, documentary Scotch of the Golden Dram is next week. Hey, just for Harry next week. Nice. Um, the BAFTA Buzzy Ray and Liz. I believe that is that an animated film. I think, I think it is. Yeah. That's out next week as well. And of course, well, find out what makes. Is it her? Is it a hero? Her a hero. Um, uh, Shazam. Exactly, yes. Uh, Miss Miss Shazam. (laughs) Which is funnier on an entirely other level, if you stop and think about it. uh, Yes, Captain Marvel is next week as well. Brie Larson finally gets that gig she's been waiting for since she won that Oscar. What was it, three, four years ago now? 
something like that. Exactly, because yeah. like Glasshouse didn't work out. Kong was not exactly what we'll call a meaty role. Uh, <laughs> well, like, wasn't she cast the Captain Marvel pretty much like pretty just much after. like the day after? She, yeah. like, she got it, and then they were like, "We've got a plan. We've got a plan. Don't worry, don't worry. Hang yeah. around." So, all those to come and more next week off screen. In the meanwhile, this has been a candy store production of a movie market. I've been Van Connor. Uh, I've had a sore throat, but I've also been Case Allen. <laughs> and we shall return. Just show me the way to get out of here, and I'll be on my way. You've been listening to Offscreen. For more movie news, reviews, and more, visit moviemarker.co.uk. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. Podcast extra bits. Bits of extra podcast. Extras for your podcast. Is it really the extra? I mean, it's not really pod... It, it is. It's extras for the podcast, isn't it? It's not but, as snappy. Because we can't technically call the rest of the show a podcast. A podcast. Yeah. yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Yeah. Podcast add-on. <laughs> addendum. Podcast addendum. <laughs> off-screen addendum. Further off-screen. Further off-screen. Yeah, uh, yeah. Even, even further off-screen. Off yeah. Yeah. So we've got to talk about them Oscars. So yeah. can I get a list I, of I, I, I realise. Like, I'm, I'm going I'm going to head on. Um... So, Glenn Close losing. Yeah. I can say what I wanted to say. Go on. She was Glenn Close, but not close enough. <laughs> I would have gone for no cigar. <laughs> Glenn I, Close, I, but no, no cigar. cigar. I've been mixing it up. <laughs> I really feel like if, if Glenn Close had just been pre-warned, she could have actually taken a cigar to the Oscars. Just been like... Glenn Close. <laughs> no cigar. No cigar. Give him an Oscar no. for that. Yeah. So, yeah, it was... Um, I don't know. It wasn't a surprising Oscars. I wouldn't say at all. I mean, there were, there were one or two minor surprises. Oh no! I think I think like, there, was two, there was two big and... surprises. Okay, let's let's yeah. go then. So let's talk about best film. Obviously, uh, Green Book. I think early on that was a sort of safe winner, like that and A Star Is Born. I think were safe winners early on for, for best picture before the buzz really started. I feel like I feel like we've been following a different Oscar race. Really? Yeah. Because I Completely. thought the buzz around Roma didn't start until about midway through awards season. Like, it was nominated for a lot. You're, you're right uh, with that. Star, Star Was Born, mm. when it came out, because obviously it was like end of September. Oh, I mean, going into awards season, yeah. it did seem like A Star Is Born and Green Book, they were going to be the, the big boys. And you have it for a while, but I, I don't think that Green Book really got that, that level until it won the PGA. And it, mm. it won like People's Choice as well. But there's been Oscar winners that no, there's, sorry, there's been People's Choice winners and mm. and um, and that that have won but have not gone on to do Best Picture. No, and that kind of seemed to be one of those, like the Big Short. So I think that. these, I think these are actually they're possibly in the order on which I'm reading off the Guardian site. Okay, I think these are in the order in which they were announced. Yes, the first one was Supporting Actress. That's it. Okay, so should we do them in the order they were announced? Yeah. Okay, so Best Supporting Actress. Regina King for If Beale Street Could Talk. That was a given. What did you think of Beale Street? I've not seen it. I really want to see it. Right. I've, I've not had an opportunity to see it. Um, okay. um, she seems like the linchpin of the whole thing. She is. She's pretty much, yeah. It, 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 it's pretty much her holding the whole thing together. Yeah. Biggest, sort of, a larger-than-life character in the film, though. But, uh, yeah. I, yeah. I thought Kiki Lane, I thought, might, might have had a chance at uh, Best Actress for this in another year. But uh, I was surprised she didn't. It, it depends... With like the buzz, doesn't it, and who they're gonna like put all their like focus on for the campaign? Like, because with with the wife, obviously it was only grown close, but mm. like Jonathan Price is really good, and it caught. If they'd have pushed him, he could have got like a supporting actor. And as always, you can always give Christian Slater an award to nom. Well, won't well, mm. hurt him. Yeah, won't well, hurt him at all. He's in the film for about six minutes, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
Hey, hey, I'll see you at Judy Dench, sir. I'll see you at Judy Dench. That's a good point, yeah. <laughs> right. she, she had eight minutes. Right, best of point actress, though. I mean, I honestly saw that going to either Rachel Weisz or Emma Stone. I thought because Rachel Weisz had the BAFTA, they might just wheel it out for Emma Stone for the Oscars. Yeah. I honestly didn't see Regina King getting it. I thought it was a two-horse race between both actresses in supporting for the films. I... I had Regina King because I oh, yeah. well she she won pretty much all the like prognosticators of the yeah. of all she she won SAG award she won the Independent Spirit award mm. um, and I I thought like uh, Emma Stone and Rachel Weisz would just kind of cancel each other out and that makes sense well they seem to have don't they yeah uh. I I have slight issue with the way that they went with the favourite because for me Emma Stone is the lead really yeah. Now I think Rachel Vice is the lead. That's interesting. That is interesting. That's really okay, interesting. Okay, that's that's next set. I feel, of I feel like you see it all through. What's what's Emerson? Is is, is Abigail, Abigail Abigail Masham, isn't it? You see it like you start with her, mm. and I feel like it's her rising up. So I saw ah, okay. it more through her point of view. I'm fine with Olivia Coleman going through as best actress and winning because it's Olivia Coleman. So but, speaking yeah. of, we should move it. So best makeup and hair that was between Border, Mary Queen of Scots, and Vice. Did anybody not see Vice getting that? That's it. I really liked Vice. I watched it day of Oscars. I liked it. I didn't think it was groundbreaking or anything. I thought it was a perfectly fine, perfectly fun Adam McKellen movie. I, I thought there was three or four moments where I was like, this is genuinely really cool. Like the, the bit with the credits. Yeah, that's a great... I loved that. There were great individual gags, I thought. Yeah, yeah. Like, like in Big Short, same thing. And then when there's the guts about restaurant and Alpha Molina's were... Mm. I loved that bit yeah, that so weird. much. And he was like, and you can do pretty much whatever the F you want. Best documentary went to Free Solo. Yeah, I had that as well. Now... I, I didn't. I thought the documentary category this year was a bit weak, to be honest. There's been a lot of uh, a lot kind of, of conversation uh, about the documentary category. Just over the last few years, there's been like some massive snubs. Yeah. Like, what was it? Jay, was Jane last year or the year before? I think it was last year, Jane. Jane was like universally adored. Mm. And yeah. Well, and I look it, at it wasn't even nominated. I look at how weak a category it is. I just didn't think, like, regardless there's, there's of whether, no, where's no, Mr. Rogers? There's no Three Identical Strangers. Yes, there's no yeah. Three Identical Strangers. There's no Won't You Be My Neighbour. Yeah. And these are films that offer you something in a documentary. I mean, I'm not surprised Free Solo won, because it's the only one out of that bunch, I think, that stands head and shoulders above the rest in terms of actually doing something different, showing yeah. you something different. And something like Three Identical Strangers, which is such a bonkers story. Yeah. Or, uh, or what was the other film we were just saying, literally out there? Uh, won't, won't You Be My Neighbour. Uh, won't You Be My Neighbour, which, again, is such a, a moving and emotional documentary. These are things that, you know, they elevate the game. In the same way that Blackfish did all those years ago. Yeah. But so yeah, not surprised. Uh, Ruthie Carter, best costume design. Yeah, I had that for Black Panther. Of course you did. That was an easy win, wasn't it? That was it was a good, solid win. Not so much. It was like that and the favourite. But I think with the favourite, there was yeah. the issue that Sandy Powell was nominated for two films for one thing. There was so the that issue cancel, cancel that. Yeah, yeah, but there was the issue as well that favourite was a lot more of a traditional. You know, by the numbers period yeah. piece, whereas Black Panther was a lot more inventive, a lot more creative. Yeah. In terms of simply utilising imagination, I think it's hard to top the Black Panther for that. True, but then you do look at the form that like those kind of period films have with yeah. costume design and generally it's yeah, it's difficult to bank against those. But, uh, but Ivory... I did put Black Panther, so yeah. oh, Merchant Ivory just owned the owned the awards. <laughs> what? <laughs> Merchant Ivory just owned awards. Yeah. Uh, this was a funny one. Best editing went to Bohemian Rhapsody and Brian Singer's mate, Johnny Ottman. Mm. So that was 
a bit awkward. <laughs> yeah, people were mad. Also, yeah, I, I advised down for that because Beyonce is so much better. I, I think. Oh no, I think I settled on Black Klansman in the end, but I, 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 I was yeah. fine with either Black Klansman or Vice. Bohemian Rhapsody is terribly edited. Yeah, there's a viral clip that's gone round. I've seen it. Yeah. Well, yeah, but but, but me. Uh, little, little finger from Game of Thrones. Yeah, Aidan Gillen. Yeah, and yeah, it's it's not good. <laughs> it's not good. Bohemian Rhapsody deserves best editing in the same way that Black Panther deserves the BAFTA for best visual effects. <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. And you've clearly only given it to that because you sat there and thought, I don't know what this category is, so I'll just vote for the I'm film I like. Yeah. Which yeah, best cinematography. Oh, sorry, best production design. Black Panther. Yeah, I had favourite down, but yeah, Black Panther's amazing. Yeah, uh, yeah favourite as well I have for production design. Yeah. Oh no, First Man I would have been happy with as well, actually. I thought the production design of First Man was top-notch. But, uh, <laughs> nobody saw it. <laughs> yeah, nobody saw it. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a wonder that. it. Like, Those ones who did see it were yeah. too depressed to really revel in it much afterwards. So, yeah. yeah. Um, best cinematography, Roma Alfonso Cuarón. Yeah, because it's fine. Because it's beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> fine. Yeah, that's, yeah, makes, makes sense. I had to stop watching it the first time because I was I was generally really ill, and the camera's constantly just it is, turning. Yeah. yeah, have you seen it now? Uh, I have now. Yes. Yeah. Did you like it? I did. I did. <laughs> I, I didn't think it was this unmissable thing that I was going to be talking about for the rest of my life or anything. Uh, I, I no, you shouldn't have any illusions that it would be. But no, I think uh, it's really great. I'll be honest with you, I may have just sat there afterwards in silence for a moment to myself thinking, ah, shit, this is going to be like The Artist all over again, isn't it? Where we're just never going to talk about the movie again after it wins Best Picture. But, you know, alas, it didn't happen, so... All right. Okay. Well, I know. I we'll, know. we'll save this discussion until we get to. I know I'm in a minority. I know, I, know, I know Kevin Martin from the Times, and he's just the most out there contrarian you've ever met. Yeah. And like the guy who really hates A Star is Born. Right. You know, who champions the, the death and burning of A Star Don't say is it born. too loud, it'll get punched by yeah. Sean Penn. <laughs> exactly. Uh, best sound editing Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh-uh. Did I, I? I got this single one. No, I put first man down for sound editing because I someone had... explained to me what the difference is between editing and mixing. Yeah, no one knows. So editing is is obviously it's the editing part of it, but it's also like the creation of sounds. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, That's, he's, and exactly. so for that, I was like first man. <laughs> As Johnny Hearn uh, told us on Oscar night, uh, sound editing and sound mixing are categories that, you know, they're, they're another one of those categories like editing where the people who are voting for these things may not may not in any chance actually know what the spe- specifics of that category are. Yeah, and so it becomes a popular vote more than anything else. Yeah. You know, hence Bohemian Rhapsody, Rhapsody. winning both of them because in the minds of the minds of anyone voting, it's just, oh, it's a sound thing. That's the music movie. Do that. Yeah. Whereas, you know, it's a sound movie. There's literally a movie called A Quiet Place. Place. Maybe that could have won. Yeah. You know. Possibly. Mm. Well, well, there's a lot of categories that A Quiet Place could have gone for, but mm, yes, no, never mind. Uh, best foreign language film, Roma. Roma. I put down Cold War because I thought that loads of people would go I for a picture. Yeah. Yeah. We had the same idea. I thought Cold War would win this, Roma would win best picture. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, so, not. And I would, I would imagine that, like, if you could see what, like, what the ranking was, Probably, the call yeah. would be second. I, I like that. I, I just take a piece of you with me when you're not around for long periods of time. <laughs> to channel my inner case. Uh, best supporting Oscar uh, actor that we we absolutely predicted. Best, Herschel, best supporting uh, um, Herschler. Yeah, best supporting lead actor in a movie, Mahershala. <laughs> 
<laughs> and just based on that, we should have known that Green Book was going to win picture because that's what happens. Yeah, yeah. Make kind a, of is, ma- isn't it? Make yeah. a film, make him an amazing like supporting actor role. Yeah. You're going to win three Oscars. One of them is going to be best picture. One's going to be screenplay. It's exactly Drip. what happened in Moonlight. Uh, live action short. Didn't see it. Apparently, it was something called Skin. Uh, no. Best animation short. Bow. Yeah. I love Bao. I love Bao. I love Bao so much. Uh, best documentary short. Period. End of sentence. I got that. I never seen it. It's on Netflix. Is it? It's on Netflix. I need to tell you something about that. So one of the they've not said who it was, but it was it was one of the, uh, the Academy voters in yeah. the writers branch, and they've not said who it is. Um, could get like a bloody luncheon. Mm. Uh, he said something like, uh, "I saw period, but I'm not going to vote for it because it's about periods and they're icky." What a dick. Okay, yeah. so best visual effects. <laughs> Went to first man. Yeah, interesting. I mean, one way of defining it, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't understand it. Yeah. Then again, BAFTA, best visual effects. Black, Black Panther. Panther. Uh, yeah, that suit's awesome. Leave it alone. So, Ready Player One exists, right? Was nominated for an Oscar for visual effects. Hmm. <laughs> Gave us The Shining, a T-Rex, King Kong, the DeLorean, and an enormous Jack Slater. Yeah, but run. hopefully the voters would distract the fact that it is a terrible film. Who gives a shit? You're nominated for visual <laughs> effects. Oh, yeah, Not po- screenplay. Oh, yeah, podcast extras. Yeah. Fucking terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. no, that, that Shining bit is is awesome. I just, so, yeah, maybe so just much. for that bit. Yeah, there's so much in the way of the, the visual level mm. to it. I, I put down Infinity War just because of... It's... I the biggest banked, film. Yeah, I actually banked on Infinity War winning, to be honest. That was, yeah. that was when I did my predictions on the night. It was. But then again, for some reason, super films never do well in that category. Like, yeah, can't figure that one out. Yeah, and if, if it's a space film, that's probably going to win. It's it's weird. I just don't get it. So, uh, best original screenplay, Green Book. Oh, okay. I had the favourite down. I had the favourite I would have preferred the favourite. I would have. Um, yeah. Like I said, I, I like Green Book. I want to yeah. watch it again. Well, I, yeah. I can see all the problems with it. You can see the problems, but yeah. it's just that... Okay, I can see those problems are there, but they are not stopping me enjoying this. Yeah, because I'm looking at yeah. Vigo and Herschel and I'm having a great time. That's it. I'm, I'm watching two charismatic country. actors at the top of their game who obviously, like you say, share good chem- great chemistry. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. Right. So, uh, best adapted screenplay, Black Klansman. I'm just looking at the time. Everyone so saw that. Yeah, sorry. Uh, Black Klansman's great. Yay for Spike Lee. Yeah. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> About time. <laughs> Did he do Brooklyn's in the house again for this one? Because he did that at the BAFTAs, didn't he? Yeah. He definitely shouted Brooklyn. There was a bit where Bob Streisand was there. And yeah. he, like, shouted Brooklyn. Nice. Yeah. Uh, best original score. Did you get this one? I did. Uh, uh, I think... Did, did Oh, no, I had <laughs> If Beale Street Could Talk to win. Right. Wanted Black Panther, bet on If Beale Street Could Talk, and then Black Panther won. Given the work that you put in for the score for Black Panther, I'm really happy with it. Because yeah. he, he like, travelled to Africa and like met like, African musicians he did, and stuff. Maybe you told me that, actually. Yeah. Hmm. Like, there's, there's a guy that's like shouting Killmonger. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even know that. Uh, best original song. So, easiest money you ever made, or...? Are they... Are they together in real life? That's the question this week, isn't it? Really, is it? Yeah. Okay. Did you not see that look at the end of the performance? Well, I mean, I've got never me to the Oscars. I'd be very grateful. When, when, I, when I saw Cassie the next day, I was like, "I'll be honest, I've never looked at you in that way." And I, I love you, but I, I don't think I've ever looked at anything the way that, that they looked at each other. I mean, they looked at each other like I look at a meatball sub. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Shallow at Star is Born. That one there. Uh, best actor, uh, Ryan Malik. 
Rami Malek. So I'm just going to play the Egyptian card for a moment because on, <laughs> on, a, on a mainstream international level, Egyptians never do anything cool. No, not, yeah, not anymore. Cool. Not for like 2,000 years. Yeah, and he also like mentioned that as well in his speech. Yeah. So that was that was very cool. Um, yeah, like I said, I wasn't really looking forward to watching Bohemian Rhapsody. I don't think it's a particularly good film, but he's he, fine in he, it, isn't he? He's really fine in it. Oh. Yeah. Best actress then, Olivia Coleman for The Favourite. <clears throat> I just had like a real like warm feeling in my heart mm. when that happened. That was another one where I think I felt on the day like it just feels like in the air that Olivia Coleman's going to win that today. Yeah. yeah. Best director then, Alfonso Cuarón. He's got a lot of Oscars, hasn't he? Yeah, has a bit. Yeah. And then of course, uh, Best Picture, which as we know went to uh, Green Book. Went to some guy that flashed his cock at Cameron Diaz and someone else that uh, said that, said incorrectly that Muslims were celebrating 9-11 in New Jersey. Yeah. So, yeah. this, this uh, that. Um, yeah, I've got some film news about that. Okay, go on. Let's, let's find so it. So go on, what film news have we got? Give me the piece before I have to review the next film real quick. Is it? It's going to be Sauvage mm. next. Be quick. <laughs> Sauvage. <clears throat> I was supposed to say logged into Skype as well, going on BBC in a bit. Right, uh, Green Book producer sent angry email to write to criticise the Best Picture winner. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And um, also, uh, Nick Valonga, who is, I think he's. Val Valonga, the, the son, isn't he's he? He's the yeah. son, and he's a producer, and he's, he's written the screenplay. Uh, he said that uh, Dr. Shirley's family uh, didn't want any part of it. No, I, I actually got that much as well. Yeah, they uh, they didn't seem. They, weren't, they didn't want any part of it, and then they weren't particularly happy with how he was. No, they, they've been very critical. Mm. Which, well, yeah. I don't know. So, let me talk them really quickly about Sauvage. So I uh, had the pleasure of watching this this morning. This is, well, this is a grim movie. Great title. It's dark, nihilistic. I mean, obviously the word Sauvage refers to wild. You know, the, the, right, you not know. not a fancy perfume. Not a fancy perfume, nor is it misspelling of sausage. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it is the story of Leo, who is a 22-year-old male prostitute. And he, so he, he sells his, his body for cash. He doesn't have much in the way of, of virtue or, uh, or, or shame in that regard. Mm. He's kind of up front and he'll, he'll, he just does whatever to make ends meet. Um, but he, he yearns for something more. You know, he yearns for kind of a meaning to his life because he is just existing mm. going from job to job as it were you know and and just in the meanwhile just amusing himself in between so it's kind of a directionless aimless existence he's played by uh felix maritor now felix maritor is an actor i know from 120 beats per minute uh, yeah from last year that was yeah. and he was really good in that as well um i do think he's a very charismatic young actor and it shows here because i think he really holds this film together it's a great performance at the center from him the problem is obviously it is on his shoulders because the film is so bleak so abstract mm. so directionless it, it really does follow where, where he sees himself in the world and it's not a film that wraps itself up in neat conclusions it's a lot more sort of true to the reality of the situation than anything else Uh, I really liked it but by Jove, was I miserable as I finished watching it. I mean, brilliantly written and directed by uh, Camille, Camille Vidal-Niquette. Um, sorry, I, I mispronounced... I, I couldn't remember how to pronounce Niquette from it. So Camille Vidal-Niquette. Um, really well put together film. And I absolutely respect what it's done. But I do say it is, it's a hard watch. You know, because of how abstract, because of how open, because of how, you know, <coughs> inconclusive it is. It does become a hard watch for that thing. Also, it just the, the sort of 
the suffering he imbues his own performance with again just a really difficult time mm. <laughs> but a great movie i have to say so um, another piece of film news for me real quick what you what have I got? Um, we were just talking about A Quiet Place. Uh, yes. John Krasinski is going to return to direct the second one. I know, I'm as, it, as is Emily Blunt. So, I mean, because she's still alive. She's still alive, yeah. Right. Spoiler, okay. he, he is not. It was like a year ago, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. okay, it was a year ago. Yeah. So, so, shut up. <laughs> shut up, you've got no excuse, man. You'd just be happy that your year-old horror movie got nominated for an Oscar. Yeah. Because, you know, unless you're Jordan Peele, that never happens. Mm. But, uh, yeah, also, like... Oh, my God, Us is coming out so soon. But just don't know. Oh, yes. Because like March. I know, can't wait. Can't wait. End of March. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. Just stay alive. Just see the American advertising campaign for you, by the way. I've on the subway, that. every time you go on steps on the subway, um, on the back side of the steps, they put one poster. And then another step down, they put the title. And then yeah. the next step down, they put another poster. And the posters are the contrasting versions of the family. Oh, that's and awesome. And they've been made to look as nice and as horrifying as possible. <sighs> and it's absolutely brilliant. That, oh, I'm going to look at that. Yeah, did you look that up? The, the, the marketing campaign for it is absolutely terrific. Also, there are, I think there are TV ads and things, although when I was there, they were really leaning heavy on the Oscar campaigning. Mm. Like, I'd never witnessed it before, but they really outwardly campaigned for Oscars in the US. Right. But, so, yeah, you know, like, multi-million dollar ad slots on NBC purely to appeal to, like, a, <laughs> a couple thousand voters in the world yeah. who may be watching the Today Show. <laughs> on the off chance. They just may yeah. be watching. But, uh, yeah. So, on, anything else real quick in the news? Uh, yeah, yeah Rotten Tomatoes are changing uh, the audience rating system. Have you heard about this? Yeah, how does that work? So, um, they're not allowed to put any comments on there until the film is out. So, it's, uh, it's happened because uh, people are trolling uh, the Captain Marvel page. So all they can affect is the audience percentage score and nothing else. Now. Nothing else. Brilliant. Okay. Yeah, which, good. frankly, should have happened a long time ago, but it's good that they're doing it. Ah, personally, I'd like to abolish uh, it. Well, um, uh, Blue Peter Nyong'o yes. is apparently going to be in Bond 25 as well. Ah, yes, I think I heard That's about cool. this. <clears throat> and um, do you know we're getting that Suicide Squad redo? Oh, The Suicide the Squad. The Suicide Squad. It's yeah. going to be out to The Will Smith. Uh, yes, I heard the Will Smith will not be returning because yeah. it's cast out on the Margot Robbie reprising her role as well as the Harley Quinn. Because ever, yeah, she's she's obviously got whatever this one next year is going to be. Good. Ever, is, uh, is that one Birds of Prey? That one's Birds of Prey. That yeah. one's Birds of Prey. Yeah, that's next year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we've got an Aquaman sequel dated now, haven't we? For uh, fourteen years time. For probably. yeah, for twenty twenty two. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna wait until we actually have. Like Atlantis, we're gonna wait. For yeah. it. I mean, I love the fact that by the time we get an Avatar, uh, an Aquaman two, Avatar two will actually be out. How mad is that? Yeah, yeah, so weird. So, and that's gonna be in the ocean as well. Yeah, so, so that's, that's where we're gonna be. Yeah. yeah. Did you see James Cameron's response to Aquaman? Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, Just the it, wasn't like it's, it's not realistic. It's, like, uh, it's not realistic to the physics of being away. Like it's a superhero movie, yeah. Jim. For fuck's sake! Yeah, people riding a seahorse. Yeah, <laughs> drumming octopus, man. Yeah. Drumming octopus. Okay, last review of the week. Okay, right. This is actually quite a sweet movie. So this is. I just realised we've also accidentally left both LGBT movies to uh, the podcast extras as well. But again, not where where the problem. But we are the problem. Yeah. That's happened accidentally, but yeah, we are the problem. So, Of Love and Law, which is a documentary about a Japanese couple. Mm. So, a gay married couple who are also lawyers and run a practice together in downtown Osaka. Mm. Now, I didn't know this until I started watching this documentary, but Japanese culture does not treat the LGBT people well. 
Let's, do let's just put it that way. Okay. There are some very strange societal rules in Japan that I did not know about, and this film actually does stop and explain them all mm. to you. Like, for instance, if you are born outside of what is defined as a traditional married uh, married fam- familial setup, mm. you are not allowed to have your birth registered. You are treated as a non-person. And this can, yeah, that, that's an actual thing. That affects things like credit ratings and stuff like that because your parents weren't married and stuff like that. Your parents got divorced. It's an insane culture. And what you have are these two gay lawyers, um, I think uh, Kuza and Fumi, and both really just depicted as... It's a profile piece, really. It just follows them and just their general... Through the through the window of two cases, I think, are being worked on. So Fumi works on one card, yeah, because mm. I works on another. And uh, it, one defends the free speech of an artist who depicts vaginas in her artwork mm. and... It's just, it's a really sweet movie, a really sweet, wholesome, and genuinely uplifting movie. Because they're very active in their community, and they volunteer for everything they can. They, they took in a foster child, for, they took in a, a, a guardianship of a child, for instance, and then they enroll in the fostership program yeah. and start learning about adopting a, a, a child of their own kind of thing. And it's just a really sweet story about how these two men just function in this society that has just been built to cast them aside. And it's a really wonderful time. I had a really great time watching this. I came, came, came away from it beaming. But, yeah, I can't recommend it high enough. So it's called Of Love and Law. Sounds good. Uh, latest film from, I think it's Hakawati. That is out on Fridays, the first. I think more has everything this week except for fighting with my family has been out on the first. Okay. So Cool. So, yeah, that's, that's really it for me this week. And um, that is it for me as well. Okay. In wow. which case, well, you know, I can only take this in one direction. Here it is. Your Oscar-winning moment of cage. Kingpin knows we're coming. We're going to be outnumbered. Don't be so sure. You might need these. You think you're the only people who thought to come here? Hey, fellas. Is, is he in black and white? Where's that wind coming from? We're in a basement. Wherever I go, the wind follows. And the wind, it smells like rain.